Hey folks, happy new year. I'm your host, Mason. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, and this is the first episode of our new year. How awesome is that? Well, guess what? We've got a special treat for you for the next two episodes, actually. Uh, We are talking to Kurt Linville. Kurt is the former host of this show, technically former uh, along with Travis Parsons, but Travis ended up taking more of like the editing role towards the end of their tenure of ownership of the show. And then Kurt was primarily the host, but Travis hosted plenty of episodes as well. But anyway, Kurt is probably a voice you've heard a lot. Uh, He's the one that is often featured when I do a throwback episode. Uh, But Kurt joined us today to give us an update on where he is, uh, what he's doing, and to kind of celebrate the new year. If you didn't know, I took this show over about four years ago, and and that's about half the life of the show. We're almost eight years old. And when I took the show over, it was because both Kurt and Travis wanted to do something more adventurous with their life. They had been hosting the show for a handful of years. They had done a lot of cool stuff together. They'd even like built houses together and all sorts of random fun projects and life events together. And they were both thinking, you know what? After talking to so many people on this show, it's time for us to take on a more adventurous life and to do something totally out of the box. So in a way, the show and all the guests that have been on for the last four years had inspired them to do something with their own lives. But what that would do, that would require them to stop hosting the show. For Travis, it was living full-time in his RV with his family uh, and traveling around the country. For Kurt, it was going to be moving really far into the Colorado mountains, deep into the mountains, starting a whole new life. Uh, And all that disruption was going to lead to them not hosting the show anymore. That led to me hosting the show. And there's a cool story there. I don't know if I've ever told it, but basically I became friends with Travis and Kurt and was like, hey, if y'all ever need help hosting the show, let me know. Next thing I know, I'm hosting full time. I'm getting out of more of a, basically a, a vagabond style lifestyle and more into something a little more structured. I got married. I had some time and I was getting ready to get more and more structured with my lifestyle. So it was like perfect timing, great transition. They coached me on everything I needed to do. We're amazing teachers, very efficient. We had a great time transitioning this show over to me. And so I'm I'm primarily the host for the last uh, four years, all the new episodes at least. And so it has been just a cool journey. Kurt and I really still get along a lot. I need to catch up with Travis and hear how the adventure's going and how living full-time has been going. I did, we did one updated episode a couple years ago now, but we need to do it again. Uh, but Kurt and I stay in regular conversation. He started all sorts of new stuff since then we're going to be talking about. But this is such a treat to be able to talk to Kurt, hear from him, hear how, how it's going, and how basically taking on this adventure has been, and it has been awesome. So sit back, enjoy, and uh, basically like catching up with an old friend. Here we go. Folks, you heard a little bit about Kurt in the intro. If you didn't know Kurt before, Kurt, you used to host this show, and you are still a voice of this show with the revisited episodes that we do on Thursdays. But geez, welcome back. It's been over two years, two and a half years since we talked. It was episode like 624 when we caught up with you. And that was March 2020. And that was a, that was a very different time. That was a, oh, two word. weeks into the pandemic is I think when it came <laughs> out. So we must have talked, I think, right before the pandemic really started getting going. 
And I think a lot has a lot has happened. A lot has happened on your end. We have we've 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 texted and caught up, but not a ton. Uh, so I'm excited to uh, to catch up. How are you doing, <laughs> Mason? It's funny. I was uh, this morning thinking, man, I'm so excited that I'm going to be on the air with Mason Gravely. <laughs> wow, dude. I, <laughs> I'm kind of laughing because, you know, I, I did a few hundred of these interviews when I was hosting the show with Travis, but everyone is still new and exciting. And and honestly, I'm not sure if I know what I'm doing anymore. So, you know, Kurt, I, I've never known what I'm doing. It's just you just talk <laughs> to people and you record it and you, you clean it up a little bit. And that's that's about it. But uh, we keep it simple. And I try to carry it on as you and Travis would have. So, you know, the last time we talked, you, I always ask this first. It's kind of like my tradition has been like, where are you coming from and where is home? And for you, that is the same place as far as like a lot of times folks are out on an adventure when we talk or traveling or something. So home and where they are are two different places for you. You're coming from the Gunnison area, but tell us about, uh, tell us about where you are. Gunnison is the, is the place I go for adventure. And, you know, it's crazy because I love to travel, but since I moved to Gunnison, I always feel like, well, why do I need to go anywhere? I haven't figured this place out yet. So Gunnison, Colorado, it's in the heart of the Rockies. They call it the base camp of the Rockies. Just a quick summary so people have the context. It's one of the the mountain towns that people drive through on the way to somewhere else and don't really realize all that it has to offer until they take a moment to look around. So we're about 25 minutes south of Crested Butte. We are nestled against the banks of the biggest reservoir in Colorado. So we are a, a river and a water town. We also are nestled in the middle of five mountain ranges full of 14ers and backpacking and all sorts of fun. We have over 750 miles of single track mountain biking. We have over 3,000 miles, Mason, of twin track BLM and forest roads. So if you want to explore Colorado, then this place, I don't know, there's a lifetime of adventure right here in Gunnison. Three? Did you say 3,000 miles? In our county. In the county. 3,000 miles just in our county. And the reason for that is it, there's some unique geography here. Gunnison County is the biggest county in Colorado. But what's so unique about the geography is that we have high mountain, semi-arid, kind of desert areas, BLM land, that feeds into all the forest land as you go up in elevation. And I think the BLM land just offered unlimited opportunities for people to make roads historically to get here and there and places like that. And then once you get into the mountains, lots of mining towns were up here and they, everyone was trying to connect the dots. So all of these high mountain passes and boy, just amazing. Yeah. So 3000 miles of twin track forest roads and BLM roads. Yeah. I'm looking at the County line. So one of my favorite things to do hosting this show is looking at a map of where people are talking about just to just to learn, I love maps, and I'm looking at Gunnison County. Yeah, it is huge. It goes all the way, almost to Aspen, over to yep. Buena Vista, almost down to like Telluride. I mean, the county's enormous. So it covers some of the most gorgeous terrain in the whole state. It's the heart of the Rockies, absolutely. And what's interesting about it is that Gunnison itself, it's not nestled in high Alpine Valley like a lot of famous mountain towns. Instead, it's like one step lower at 7,700 feet. And as such, when you drive through, you have to take time to notice where you are or you might miss it. 
But as soon as you take a moment, I mean, we have the, the West Elks to the West. We have the Elk Range to the North. We have Fossil Ridge Wilderness and the Siwatch Range to the East. And to the Southeast, we have the Sangre de Cristos. And to the South, we have the San Juans. I mean, it goes on and on and on and on. It's just crazy. And each of those is just unbelievable as far as what you can experience. I mean, those are, gosh, some of the best spots in the entire state. So, you know, you've been there five years? Five. Five years. Five years. Yeah, five yep. years. I mean, yeah, because that's right. When I took the, the actually, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit earlier before I took the show over, a little over four years ago now. How have you, because a lot of folks move somewhere, and uh, they have these right. grand plans and there's, you know, all this expectation with what it's going to be like. And, you know, a lot of times it's a disappointment or it's just different. What has it been like being in a mountain town coming from the front range, you know, coming from closer to the front range, at least near Denver and all that? I know you weren't right in town. You were up in the foothills then even. But what has it been like the last five years being in a small mountain town? You know, life is about experiences, Mason. And sometimes we need to have more experiences to gain new perspectives on life. And that's really what the Adventure Sports Podcast is about. It's why we started the show. But moving to Gunnison has provided us with a lot of new experiences and a lot of new perspectives. And one thing I tell people quickly without even having to think about it is I wonder why we didn't move here 10 years earlier. But living in a mountain town is always a challenge for people. And I just talk about the, the economy and the demographics. Most people in Gunnison work two to three jobs. And both, you know, if, if there's a married couple, they're both working two or three jobs. And that's just to pay the rent. That's a challenge. You know, it's a challenge for people. And we've been really blessed in that I'm an independent contractor and I can work remotely in the wireless industry. So, you know, we always have that to fall back on. But living in a, an economy where people are here because they really, really love the location and the adventure that they experience here, because it's a sacrifice to live here. It's not easy. But seeing all of these super athletic, adventurous people all around me every day, you know, it's super exciting and it's been a lot of fun. And life here is in, in some ways slower and simpler. It's a small town, you know, our we used to drive our vehicles almost 3,000 miles a month, which is crazy. And now it's more like 200, maybe, you know, in a big month. <laughs> and so life just slowed way down. We spend more time on the mountain bikes, on the motorcycle, uh, lots of uh, ski mountaineering, lots of skiing at the ski area, lots and lots of mountain biking, water sports. We're just living life kind of in a in a in a more close to home outdoorsy way. We used to travel for our adventure, but now our adventure is here. Do you find you're able to get out and enjoy it as I would say as much as you want in the sense of like you still have life's responsibilities, but sure. on a much more frequent basis, uh in the sense of like, you know, I don't have to travel an hour or two. I can just, you know, it's either a short drive or I don't have to drive at all. Is it has it made it just a more frequent experience to have adventure in your lifestyle versus before? It has. Sometimes I kick myself because I'll go three or four days without doing anything. And I think, well, why haven't I been out? <laughs> you know what's going on. I don't have a good excuse. But, you know, we talked about this many episodes ago, like three years ago, Mason. And 
I talked about flipping the formula upside down because when we lived in the mountains outside of the Front Range, kind of southwest of Boulder, northwest of, of Golden, we would plan the adventure that we were going to do for the weekend and we would drive to the adventure hauling all of our gear with us and you know, you would shoot a full day, if not the whole weekend, just to get in a good adventure. And then you go back home and you're living, you know, in a place where it's more difficult to get out. And then when we moved to Gunnison, we, did, we turned the equation upside down. I started commuting back to Denver for work, but I lived where I played. So I was here for five days a week and the adventure no longer took the weekend. The adventure was what you could do after work or, I mean, one day. This is just an example. We were busy. One of my sons wanted to go climb a mountain, skin up a mountain in the wintertime with our skis. And I had a bunch of stuff I needed to do. And so we didn't get out the door until almost three o'clock. And we ran up to a, a base of a small peak. We skinned up to the top, skied back down again, had a, an amazing adventure. We went somewhere like eight or nine miles, something like that. And we were home in time for dinner at six. So that used to be an entire day, right? But now it was just something we did when we we had a, a little window, a few hours. So, yeah, that's what it's like. That's awesome. Good reviews then. You, you would give it a, a four or five star, it sounds like. You know what? If people want to live in a place that offers a lot of adventure, then I would certainly encourage them to do it. But they have to come with their eyes wide open because it's difficult to make a, a good wage in these mountain towns and mountain towns are expensive. So you really have to prioritize it and have a bit of an angle, you know, about how am I going to earn enough money to support my habit <laughs> if I live in a mountain town? So that's the tricky part. It really is. Absolutely. I know this show was a huge influence getting you to go further into the mountains. Yeah, it was. And I know for Travis, it was as well with his lifestyle change of, of going full time on the road with his family. Tell us about, yeah, you've talked about that experience five years later and what that decision has led to. What, what else has it opened the door for? Because a lot of times, you know, you take a step down a path you didn't foresee or, or doing something different, like stepping away from hosting the show with an idea in mind. And it opens up more doors and it leads to more things. What other things have, have has it opened the doors to taking the path uh, less taken, less traveled? What else have you discovered and, and been introduced to? Well, it's kind of like when we first started talking, real life is, is kind of what comes our way when we take steps, when we try things. And um, there have been so many things. I mean, I want to go back, way back to when we started the Adventure Sports Podcast, episode one. It was on February 28th, and I know that because that's my birthday, <laughs> 2015. And Travis interviewed Peter Schuster about through hiking the Continental Divide Trail. And that was our very first episode. And boy, at the time, we really didn't know what we were getting into, starting the podcast, Mason, how it would change and shape our lives. But a couple of years later, um, someone put a, a comment on iTunes, and it was something along the lines of, I can't listen to these people because, you know, they're just a bunch of kind of hippy-dippy people that need to go get a job. <laughs> and I forget exactly what he said, but I actually created an episode, 246, 
And it was the value of adventure sports. And that's when I explained what a huge difference adventure sports could make in a life, not just for health, but for long-term family, for life experiences and all that sort of thing. And so anyway, I wanted to bring up episode 246 because it relates a lot to where I ended up today. And moving to Gunnison, well, I'm going to answer your question two ways. Two things have happened since I moved here that are really impacting me right now. The first one is probably the biggest one, and that is that I had not lived in a college town since I was a kid. And when you live in a small town that's a college town, then you get to really be a part. I mean, the college is part of the culture of the town. And I, I got to meet a lot of college students. And my own kids are college students. So, you know, it just made sense. Got to got to meet a lot of college students and be really aware of what was going on. And uh, what I was shocked at, Mason, is how many kids were really struggling. I think it's not unique to one college. I think it's more unique to being a college student. But it just reminded me of how hard the transition is from, you know, being a high schooler to becoming an adult. And then once you graduate from college, how challenging it is to be a young adult and try to build a life. And all the research show that that's one of the most challenging periods in all of life. It is crazy. Matter of fact, I looked this up and this is sad, but I'm going to just share it for perspective. Young people, let's say age 15 to 30, it's roughly that. The number one cause of death for people that age is accidents like car crashes and things like that, which is sad. The number two cause of death is suicide, Mason. Second leading cause of death for young adults is suicide. Jeez. And I started seeing that because we live in a college town. And I started saying, you know, we started the Adventure Sports Podcast to make a difference. And it does make a difference. I can't imagine how many people you have helped by encouraging them to take on life's challenges in a new way and to encounter life and find the meaning that you can experience. And Mason, I congratulate you because what you've continued to do carrying the torch of adventure and adventure sports and health and fun, you know, to millions of people now, it's just very, very impactful. But here I'm sitting in Gunnison and I'm seeing all these people that really just need someone to come alongside of them, put an arm around them and say, you know, it is tough, but there's a way that you can make life really, really good. And so that really impacted me. So for, uh, for a few years now, I've been thinking, what could I do to encourage young people to live a better life? I mean, the Adventure Sports Podcast does that and it was part of it, but I'm not doing it anymore. That's, you know, that's your job. So anyway, that was that was one thing that surprised me about moving to Gunnison and has kind of redirected my life. And the other thing is that 3,000 miles of twin track that I talked about earlier. I thought, man, I would love, love, love to see this county, to see all of it. And while I do a lot of mountain biking and absolutely enjoy mountain biking to no end, 3,000 miles is a bit too far for these old legs. So I got a motorcycle, Mason, after 35 years, I'm back on a bike again. And people that listen to the old parts of the old episodes of the show know that Travis used to ride a lot, but I have not ridden much. But I got an old dual sport. It's a 
boy, 18 years old, and I'm rebuilding it and working on it and riding it all over Gunnison. And I started getting into nature much more deeply on that motorcycle. And it's, I don't know, it's brought a lot of memories back and a lot of fun that I just haven't experienced lately on that motorcycle. And then one day I said, you know, I should just record these rides so other people can see it too. So I started recording my rides on the motorcycle and putting them on YouTube so that people can preview what riding in Gunnison County is like. Because a lot of people come here with ATVs and motorcycles and stuff on vacation and they want to see what it's all about. So anyway, those two things are a big focus for me right now. So I have uh, two YouTube channels. One is called Gunny Moto. And if you want to see what Gunnison County looks like, what it's like to ride motorcycles here and all the stuff that we've been talking about with Gunnison County, then go to Gunny Moto. And then the other one is I've started a project with my daughter that's a YouTube channel called College of Valor. And College of Valor is where we try to help equip truth seekers with perspectives and skills so that they can build a better life. So that these young people, have something to work with, some tools and building blocks to make life as good as possible. So that's what came from coming to Gunnison. And it's funny because neither of those things would have happened had I stayed in the front range of Colorado. You know, I, I, there's a, there's so much you just shared there, Kurt. I should probably take time to process it a little bit. But the quote, I, I'm, I don't know it verbatim, but it's, it's you know, two paths diverge in the woods. I took the one less traveled. You know, it's every <laughs> commencement speech ever. And, but the thing yeah, is, Robert it, Frost, right? it, yeah, Robert Frost, it made all the difference is the part of that I love because yes. it's not saying that that path is never taken or that I'm the first person. It's just the one less taken. It's the one that's a little more uncertain or it's the one that doesn't have, you know, a guaranteed trajectory and... It's made all the difference. And I think about my life sitting here talking to you and all the things we've been through and just the, the full circle-ness of it all, if that's a word. Yeah. It's just so it's been on my mind so much lately that doing that thing that 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 maybe folks advise you against or you didn't know how it was gonna end up, once it starts to come full circle and once you start to see some of the fruit from that that you didn't expect, it it makes all the difference. It it has made all the difference in my life. And it sounds like it has with your uh, life and where it's taking you now. I was I wanted to go back to something you said about Gunnison and helping young people. Do you see in these small towns or or, or in areas like Gunnison like a heightened, I don't know, mental health crisis or folks that are more lost? Because you talked about how suicide is the second leading cause of death. Have you have you seen that that effect in those areas? Do you see more people that just don't know what to do or, or, or are kind of lost? What, what was the connection there? Let's take a quick message break and hear from the folks that help make this show possible. That is plenty of that for now. Let's get back into the episode. I'm not sure if it's a small town effect. I think it's more of an age effect. It's just that being in Gunnison puts me closer to the college age students, mm -hmm. right? And there, there is, you know, prevalent suicide problems in all small towns across America, but also in the cities too. I think in the cities, it gets lost in the shuffle. We miss it because in a small town, you get to know people. You know, if I, if I go to the grocery store 
guaranteed I'm going to see many faces I recognize. And I may not know their names or I might, but because it's a smaller town, we're closer. We get to know each other more. And when that happens, then you're made more aware when, when tragedies happen as well. And at a Western Colorado University, we've lost one or two students a year to suicide since we moved here. It just became apparent to me. And that's not a high number, I don't think. I think that it's just kind of par for the course. But it's a matter of being socially aware. It's a matter of living in a community where you know people. And so things like this, when they happen, they're a little bit more in your face. And I just started asking the question, what can I do about it? How can I help? And for me, it's not so much about, well, let's avoid suicide. I mean, that's great. But for me, it's more about how do you provide what people need so that they can build a life that they really find rewarding and valuable and worth living. You know, suicide is a big deal. It's a big deal all through the United States. And I don't know if it's worse in one place versus another necessarily. I know that there's statistics out there. I just know that there are a lot of people that are sad, a lot of people that feel very alone, a lot of people that are struggling. And I'm, I'm of a mindset, Mason, that there's a lot of misinformation and disinformation out there right now that just adds challenges and more difficulties. And it, maybe it's the effect of uh, living with so much social media or that what the internet is, has brought to us. I don't know for sure. But I do know that there is so much information out there and so much misinformation and disinformation is very, very confusing. And I think it can help, not help, it, it causes people to lose their footing. People need a foundation to stand on. They really do. And so that's, that's, that's where my heart is right now. What kind of things are you teaching folks through the College of Valor? What are y'all discussing? Well, the first thing I want to make clear, we are trying to couch every discussion in love. This isn't about me telling you what to believe. I don't believe in that. Right? In the College of Valor, instead of telling you what to believe, we try to help you learn how to think. So give you the, the building blocks so that you can reason things out and discover what's valuable in life for yourself. But, you know, here, here's something for you. I want to do this, and it may sound silly, but I think it'll, it'll be more impacting than uh, it, it sounds like it might be. Yesterday, I wrote down 99 words, just off the top of my head, 99 words that I thought would be impactful. And if I, if I read you these 99 words, it'll only take about 90 seconds. But I want to see, just listen to the words and see if any kind of jump out and stand out to you. Okay. I don't even know 99 words. <laughs> I don't either. These are the kind of things that, that we talk about. Okay. okay. That I think can help people. All right, here we go. Courage, honesty, integrity, allegiance, humility, generosity, justice, forgiveness, grace, mercy, love, accountability, individualism, self-reliance, fortitude, honor, respect, Considerate, thoughtful, loyal, compassion, faith, tenacity, kindness, peacefulness, faithfulness, joyfulness, long-suffering, life-giving, light-giving, reliable, confidence, polite, 
not timid, encouraging, uplifting, dedicated, knowledgeable, purposeful, discernment, wisdom, industrious, hardworking, long-sighted, insightful, creative, gentle, motivated, future-focused, practical dreamer, see potential, independent, dependable, forthright, candor, self-control, optimistic, brave, realistic, contrite, stalwart, tough, dynamic, charismatic, inspirational, servant, pleasant, grit, strong, innovative, truth-loving, healing, willing, funny, caring, adventurous, disciplined, listener, correctable, malleable, initiative, curious, easygoing, jolly, cleanliness, pure, trustworthy, capable, grateful, appreciative, instructive, fun, candid, friendly, responsible, patient, clever, sensible, and eloquent. That's 99 words. I, that's a first for me. Anybody reading a list like that on the, on the show? <laughs> Isn't that weird? That is cool. Yeah. So what, uh, so those are some of the things you're trying to teach or the 99 principles. I mean, that just sounds like a list of, of great words if I had to give a reflection on it right now, but what are you trying to do with those words? Well, we're trying, we're trying to explore concepts. You know, I'm not going to, like I said, we're not here to tell people how to think or, you know, what to think, but rather to explore concepts together. And, and as I read that list, what happens to me is that on a different day, a different word will jump out and I'll go, oh, like, how about dependable? That's just one I randomly picked just now. Dependable. Are people dependable? Am I dependable? Oh, let me think about that for a, for a day and see if that impacts me in a way that feels right. You know what I mean? How about friendly? Am I being friendly? Does that matter to me? Is that valuable? You see where I'm, where I'm headed with all of this stuff is you can take any of these sorts of words and think them through and it kind of becomes an inspiration. You know, maybe it's a flashlight to see in a dark corner. Yeah, that's true. Having them listed too is is awesome. I'm glad you wrote funny. <laughs> yeah. It's often overlooked in building characters being funny. That's my favorite it one. It matters. It matters, man. <laughs> it matters. It matters a lot. And fun and adventure. You know, all of these things, it's it's about having a balanced life. And these words shouldn't necessarily be heavy, right? Like, oh, no, I'm not good enough. You know, I, I need to be more, more, more. No, no one is. It's a matter of of saying, oh, well, how can I experience this word today and in the coming days in a way that feels good, you know, for me and for others? When we started College of Valor, and it's brand new, by the way. We only have like four or five episodes that are out yet. But when we started it, it was really a matter of if people just take a moment to explore with us some of these ideas, then maybe there is a spark. Maybe they they realize that they can be a little less nihilistic. That the little vacuum that's become their their personal sphere of existence, you know what I mean? That there's a bigger world out there. And that there's hope, Mason. That's the big. That's the big one right there. There's hope. I really, really believe that life can be better, and 
you know, a lot of that. And I also need to say one more thing. When Travis and I started the Adventure Sports Podcast seven years ago, seven and a half years ago, he and I agreed that we were going to stick to adventure sports. And I think it was a good formula, but we decided we're not going to talk about really controversial things. We're going to talk about adventure sports. It's the Adventure Sports Podcast after all. But I don't know how many times when I was I was interviewing a, a guest and I would think, oh, man, I'd like to explore that one. You know, that's this is a really meaningful concept. It's going to be controversial. But Travis and I agreed that we're going to stick to adventure sports. So politics, religion, <laughs> you know, there are a lot of things like that. I just kind of like, OK, we'll back off on that for now. Well, the College of Valor and Gunimoto, too. I set these up so that we can talk about the really challenging subjects. And there, there, there are some controversial subjects. I mean, the other day I went on a motorcycle ride. And I went into an area that I didn't think would be that cool, but it ended up being one of the funnest rides I had done. It was an amazing ride. While I was on this ride, you know, I kind of do the tour guide thing where I say, hey, this is this mountain and this is the history about it. And this is what happens here. And here's the ecology. And, you know, this is what makes it fun on the motorcycle. You know, so most of it is like tour guide stuff. But for some reason, I got onto the subject of why human personality precludes Marxism from ever being an effective form of governance. Yeah, that's a... It's a left turn. <laughs> well, or maybe a turn no, back no, from no, the no, left. No, oh, yeah, <laughs> no pun intended there. <laughs> but the, the point is, we talk about stuff that matters, and it doesn't mean we have all the answers. We don't. I'm not trying to convince people that I, I you know, I have the answers. Instead, it's like, no, we're going to talk about real things, real things. Yeah, it's wild. It's like you, you, you're out there, and it almost is allowed because of the wide open spaces, more, more space to think and time to think on uh, things that matter to you. And now you're finding a way to share that in a new way. Cause yeah, you're right. We don't, we don't explore a lot of the uh, uh, controversial stuff. I'm not a super controversial person myself. And I just love hearing the stories from people like what actually happened. You know, we can stick to truth in that sense that it's absolutely what happened to you on this adventure and what did you learn? And, you know, I'm sure folks over the years have shared things that I don't probably agree with. But for the most part, it's a lot of universal understandings that start to come to light on any adventure. Uh, one of the biggest ones that I often see and, and, and find is, you know, people are good. People are out there to help you. The world is good, much better than most people would probably realize pre-adventure versus post-adventure. Two, that you're very resourceful as a person. People can figure things out when when in a challenge, you get through really hard things. You, like people are often stronger than they realize. There's all sorts of stuff like that that start to come out when uh, when you put yourself out there. And but there's also tons of thoughts you start to have when you have the time and 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 are put yourself in these places to explore what's in your brain and where your thoughts go. Well, tell us about exploring what what, what has you know you you said your old knees or just like. Not wanting to walk 3,000 miles is a big part of why you got on the motorcycle. Uh, funny enough, another friend of ours and friend of the show, Bart Limmel, near between Gunnison and Crested Butte, also a huge uh, motorcycle tourer. Y'all should connect because he's right down the road. He's been on the show a oh, couple times cool. at least. Yeah, Bart, really tall guy, Mohawk a lot of times. He 
we met because I hitchhiked one time in the Gunnison area and he picked me up. And then uh, oh, years awesome. later, found the show. Um, he was on it and uh, saw him, gosh, in Denver a few years ago. But anyway, you should definitely connect with Bart. He's in the area. Great friend of the show. Same thing with him. Just getting older, had gone through a lot of ski injuries, found the motocross world or, or the or the motorcycle world and being able to basically access a ton of the same places in a new way and loved it. Absolutely loved it. T- tell us about some of the things you, you, you've come across and some of the things you've seen out there and maybe some of the adventures that it's taken you on that you wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. You know, I feel like I'm really just getting started. I've been riding this motorcycle for um, only four or five months. And the, the winter season is just about to <laughs> make me park the bike and drain the tank. But I think what's been most impactful, besides just seeing amazing scenery, really, really seeing amazing scenery, it's the, the sense of going out. See, I ride alone, Mason. And sometimes I go 30, 40, 50, 60 miles into the forest on a forest road that would take hours you know, for anyone to get there, if they, even if they knew where I was. And I'm on an 18-year-old motorcycle that I, I personally have been rebuilding the carburetor. And I say rebuilding because I don't think I'm done yet. I've torn it apart five times. And I don't know how to work on carburetors. So here's what I'm trying to describe. There's a sense of, is this going to be okay? Have I gone too far? Or am I having the greatest adventure of my life? A sense of, is this old bike going to get me home again when I'm way the heck out there? Which all of that, you put the pieces together, and it's a sense of adventure, of exploring a little bit of the unknown. There are no guarantees in this life, and life is the biggest adventure. Individual adventures that we have along the way, you know, that's one thing. When I climb mountains, I walk in. And I always think, well, I can walk back out. I got here, didn't I? But on the motorcycle, I can go so much farther in, I may not be able to walk back out again. And that has created a whole new adventure dynamic, which I know sounds crazy. But I've started, of course, carrying all of the the survival gear with me that I might need if, if something went terribly wrong. But all of that said, it feels so different. When I, when I get 30 miles into the forest and I'm all alone and I kill the engine on the bike and I, I pause for a moment and I think, is it going to start when <laughs> I need to head back home? But I look around at the beauty around me that so few people get to see because it's hard to get into these areas. And, you know, I'm having these amazing experiences and I think, man, I just, I, I wish my wife Ann could be here and see this. Look at these flowers or look at this view or the, the way that the sun is is bouncing off the sagebrush or the forest and wow look at those peaks off in the distance and someday i'm going to ride my motorcycle to the top of that one you know what i mean mm-hmm. but all the time there's a, a just a, an enormous sense of solitude and it's more alone than i felt on many adventures in the past and i think that that's impacting me but it also builds courage hopefully not stupidity <laughs> but it builds courage and i know what you you've been through all of this on your on your road bike when you're doing all your your solo rides when you uh were biking to and climbing the 14ers and and all of this kind of stuff it's it's something about i'm really kind of on my own right now 
that's just to me has been heavily impacting. But I'll tell you a quick story that kind of illustrates this. Okay, be more fun. I decided that I was going to ride my motorcycle over Schofield Pass down the other side to Crystal, which is by Marble, to get to the north part of Gunnison County. And a lot of people know Crystal because of the iconic postcard picture of the Crystal Mill. It's that that old log mill that's sitting on the the big boulder above the stream with some sort of a, a shaft dropping down into the water. And it, it oh yeah, it's been photographed you know a thousand times. And I thought I'm going to ride my motorcycle over there. Well, I'd never been over Schofield Pass all the way. That you can get to the top of Schofield Pass in a in a Volkswagen. It doesn't matter. But on the backside, you come to a sign. And the sign says, only non-stock or off-road vehicles. Meaning, even your Jeep Wrangler may not be good enough. You know, and I it says something like that. And, and I was like, whoa, man. Well, I'm going to go down this and see what happens. But I'm all alone. And I ended up at the Devil's Punch Bowl. A lot of people know about this place. Um, there's a, a large stream that's going through and the water plunges off of a couple of big waterfalls and it makes a big pool they call the Devil's Punch Bowl. Well, the road down beside that is carved out of the side of the cliff right above this waterfall. And so big drops. Matter of fact, sad to say, but many people have died there because they try to drive this road and slide off of it into the creek. It's just crazy. But it motorcyclists, cars, jeeps, it, it just has a reputation. And so I'm going down through here. And Mason, I, I get to the part where the rocks are super slippery and super steep and huge step downs and everything is angled toward the cliff. And I saw it and I was, I was just kind of like, wow. And on the way down, I, I stayed on the high side and I was riding these little tiny ridges of rock to try to keep from getting knocked into the cliff, but I got through it. Okay. But then for the rest of the ride, the rest of the day, which was, you know, another four hours, I was like, I have to get back up that. I have to get back up that. <laughs> yeah. And I ended up going into some of the most beautiful parts of Colorado, Lead King Basin. I did make it to the mill at Crystal. And I went around Sheep Mountain. Matter of fact, I took a turn up Lead King Basin and I thought it was going to be an out and back. But this road just kept going. And the next thing you know, I've been going way 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 too long and i don't know where it comes out and so uh an atv with four people in it comes up and i ask them if they've been there before and if they know where the road turns out and the funny part about this is i had downloaded all the maps i was going to need on my cell phone so that i could just pull them up and see where i was and where it came out it wouldn't work even though it's supposed to work offline didn't work so there i am just kind of off on this so I didn't know where I was, where I was going. It's kind of a metaphor for life, you know? These guys show up and they're from Iowa. Yeah, we've been here before. We know where this turns out. You know, here I'm the local Colorado guy. <laughs> but the guys from Iowa told me how to get out of there. But anyway, long story short, I got back to Devil's Punch Bowl on the way home. And I had been dreading this for hours. And I decided to give it a go, you know? I made it about halfway up before I hit something bigger than the motorcycle wanted to go over. I tried to put my foot down and there was, there was no ground because the motorcycle was like up on rocks, you know? Mm -hmm. So I tumbled down to the ground. It was no big deal, but I was just standing there beside the motorcycle realizing that was the first time that I had laid down a motorcycle since I was about 12 years old. Wow. 
And here I am so alone. And I wasn't even sure if I could pick up the bike. It's a 300 pound motorcycle that's essentially laying on the edge of a cliff, you know, <laughs> but everything worked out. I got the bike back up and I decided not to try to ride it on up because there's no way I was going to start where I was anyway. So with the motor going, you know, I, I walked it up the rest of the way, but I got through it and I got to the top. And so that's just a description of an, of an adventure. And I don't know if that resonates with anybody, but when you go out and you have these sorts of experiences, it always seems meaningful to me because you think about it for a few days as you're going to sleep at night or, or when you have a down moment, you're like, wow, what if that had gone a different way? Or man, that, that reminded me of, or wow, I did that. You know, I can do that and I can do other things too. And the idea of uh, not knowing where you are and getting help from some strangers. The idea of seeing so much glorious beauty that it's so overwhelming that you don't even know how to take it all in. You, you just feast on it for weeks afterwards. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know if I answered your question, but that's what motorcycling has done for me. Oh, that's awesome, Kurt. I think he answered the question. I don't remember the question. Um, <laughs> no, it's, uh, you're very right in that you, you think about it for weeks. It, it fuels life. You look forward to the next time. Uh, and in the moment, it can be really scary. And I'll, I'll be honest, there's a lot of adventures where I'm planning or I'm out on it. And it's like, what, if, what am I thinking? This is not fun. Like, this is not what I want to be doing right now. This is yeah. more dangerous than I thought, or, you know, less, less fun than I expected or, or whatever. But there's always those moments where you, where you're like, you know, it's type two fun. You know, you think back and think that was awesome. Or what if that did go uh, the other way? I need to be more careful for the next time. But and there's always leading up to an adventure where I think, is this the right thing to do right now? Life's a little too busy. I've got a little too much to do. Is this irresponsible almost? But you got to, unless, you know, you're really ignoring your responsibilities, you really have to fight through that if you deal with that, uh, like I do, and, and, and go for it. Because you have an idea of what an adventure is going to be. And it never is that. It never is what no. you think going in. It's just like looking at a map of a place you've never been. Your brain wants to kind of imagine what you're going to see it's not even close usually to what you actually do see and it's usually at least for me much better than i anticipated or just so different that it's so interesting in that sense well you and i are obviously both two two huge advocates for adventure well i would think so <laughs> <laughs> we started the show about it question for you though mason how many times have you gotten to a point on an adventure, whether it's a mountaintop or a place you've biked to or something, and you stop and you look around and you can't even take it all in? Mm -hmm. You're like, if I could get the entire world to stand right here with me right now, if I could get everybody here, and it's like the old song, if I could buy the world a Coke, <laughs> you know, right. if I could get everybody right here right now and everyone could experience this with me, what would be the impact? I think the, the thought that goes through my head a lot of times, because there's always at least a pinnacle with every adventure like that. If I could get everyone right here, it's often, like you said, it's often Emily, my wife or my kids who are too young. They wouldn't appreciate it right now, but or or just people that I know who want to be there. If I could get them here right now, 
my thought is always they would understand. They would understand why you try to get out there. <laughs> yeah. They would understand why it's important to protect. They would understand why there's this drive for people because this these moments are so amazing. I remember talking to one guest on here. Oh, what was her name? Kate. Uh, she lives in Alaska. She's from the lower 48, mm. but lives in very remote Alaska, only accessible by snowmobile, almost like substance living, you know, just very minimal camp, uh, has a child. It, it's pretty a uh, hardcore lifestyle. And she's often asked by her family or parents or whoever, um, and I might not be getting the story exactly right, but she was like, I'm missing so much, but then I'm sitting there chopping wood or preparing a fire or getting something ready. And I just stand up and look around where I am. And she's like, just nothing can replace this. And for her, that's enough. That's enough to keep her out there living that lifestyle. Uh, for me, mm. getting to see those moments is enough for me to plan the next trip and the next one and and, and try to get more and more people out and I'd say, Kurt, that's where I am with adventure is uh, how do I get more people to go on them? This show is obviously a great way to in, to inspire people to get out on adventure, uh, but it's not quite an invitation on an adventure. So I'd say for me, that's the next step is is, is having the official invitation for people to uh, say it's not just like be inspired to do something. It's here's an adventure. If you go on it, this is what we're doing. So that's that's been exciting, but I'm glad to see that you're still out getting getting new stuff, getting new experiences, and, and doing some pretty cool stuff. Let's take a quick message break and hear from the folks that help make this show possible. That is plenty of that for now. Let's get back into the episode. Well, I tell you, we we're getting ready to transition. Like I said, the seasons have changed, and the ski area. Crested Butte opens here in a couple of weeks. That's how close we are. We're going to transition into ski mountaineering, which I've been doing a lot of lately. So we climb the mountains and ski down them and, you know, skin up them, ski down them. And, and I tell you what, that is one of the greatest sports, but extraordinarily dangerous because of the avalanche danger. So no one should ever try it unless they're trained and they know how to avoid the avalanche train. But I guess the reason I bring it up is because, you know, these are all fairly big adventures but I would like to invite all the listeners to think about what adventure is the right size for them. And it might be something much, much smaller. You know, it may not be riding a, a solo motorcycle hundred miles through the forest. It, it may not be mountain biking up crazy mountains or, or ski mountaineering. It might be something like, I'm going to go to the park today and feed the pigeons. Now that, that sounds pretty mundane, but for some people that's getting out. It's just a matter of going somewhere where you have a moment to think, you know, and I, I just encourage people. It's worth it. It's really worth it. Yeah, I would agree too. You know, I hear that from listeners a lot. Don't measure your, the impact of your adventure against someone else's in the sense of like how grand they are. I mean, I, I go, I went backpacking in Yosemite a couple of weeks ago. It was you know, I wouldn't say a trip of a lifetime, but it's a trip of a decade. It's like that highlight of a decade, sure. you know what I mean? Where it's like, I only have an opportunity this long and in this place, maybe a once or twice a decade, I, I foresee. Um, maybe more, but, you know, that that's that's just being uh, practical about it. And I looked over at El Cap, El Capitan, 
uh, when we were backpacking and I could see at night, my friend and I just like 50 headlamps on El Cap <laughs> and wow. uh, people getting ready to go to sleep and cooking dinner or continuing climbing up one of the routes on El Capitan. And I just think, wow, you know, we're we're backpacking. It's nothing compared to I mean, it's literally literally just walking on the ground compared to what they're doing. That's real adventure. But I would say, no, I, I, that, that's not what I find enjoyable in an adventure. And I would say I even catch myself all the time. The amount of people we have on the show that do a, and just unbelievable things. It's like, wow, nothing I've done is can compare or is impactful or is true adventure. Well, it's not true. You know, like you said, I'll be honest, I, I get just as much sometimes out of taking a walk in the afternoon in a place I've never been in town um, along some paved bike path just because I needed that at the time as I do doing some long bike backing trip sometimes. So yeah, measure what it is for you, you know, in micro adventures. I mean, that's a, it's, it, it, it scratches that itch. It does more than that. It fills that void for folks and it's going to be way more doable. And that's honestly the world of adventure I'm in right now. Those short at most weekend long experiences, but there is so much you can fit into a weekend. I have two thoughts real fast, yeah. easy one. The first is as soon as you get into the comparison game, you're playing the wrong game because there's always going to be a faster gun. I always say, you know, in the, in the old West, when there were these crazy guys who thought that they had to see if they could <laughs> be the fastest gunslinger around, there's always a faster gun. And if you're the fastest gun for a moment in time, someone else is going to be faster than you eventually. So when you start, when you start doing the comparison game, you're always going to lose eventually. It doesn't, it doesn't pay off. And there's always, you know, a, a more handsome guy, a more beautiful woman, a richer person, someone with bigger toys or better toy, you know, the comparison game doesn't work. So when you're comparing your adventures to others and you say, oh, wow, well, all I did was climb a 14 or and this guy climbed L cap or, or K2, you know, it, you make yourself feel small for no reason. <laughs> you're right. Cause you're doing what you're doing and it's great. So plug in and enjoy that. And then the second thought is I heard this, it was in a coffee table book. And I don't even remember the name of the book. I don't know who the quote's from. So forgive me, world, for not citing the source. But what it said was, to be satisfied with little is very, very difficult. But to be satisfied with much is impossible. And I think that applies here. Learning satisfaction, where you are, what you're doing, what you have. If you can be satisfied where you are and with what you're doing, then you'll probably always be satisfied. There you go. You know, and that's that's the challenge. That's the adventure. It's not that you have to get to the top of K2, the baddest mountain. You know, it's not that. It's that you have to enjoy being and doing where you are and what you're doing. And that's going to look different from everybody. But what I took away from that is you don't need citations at the College of Valor. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, no, that's awesome, Kurt. Wow. Well, what is there anything you'd like to share? We're going to wrap this up. But, uh, you know, it, it's been... Uh, you know, a couple years since we've talked, which is just crazy. And I know that it, some of this conversation has been catching up. Some of it has, has gotten into like what adventure sports you're doing and what else you're doing. And, but is there any, any closing thoughts you want to share? Anything you've learned over the last few years or, or maybe the show taught you while you were hosting it? Anything else you want to share to folks uh, on their journey, whatever that looks like? Well, first of all, I was extraordinarily blessed, honored to be able to, to start with Travis, the Adventure Sports Podcast, and interview such amazing people. I learned so much 
from our guests, and I continue to do so when I listen to your show. And so it, it's been so life impacting, and I encourage everybody. I don't know what your personal adventure is. It may not even be in the outdoors. Maybe your personal adventure is in, in business or relationships or something, but go live life. That's the biggest adventure of all. Embrace the adventure of it, and life can be better than it is. And you can make life better than it is. And if you want to learn more about some tools that can help with that, go to the College of Valor on YouTube. And we're going to be diving into that stuff forever. Life's biggest adventure. And then if you want to see what this beautiful Gunnison County is like, go to Gunnymoto. And by the way, that's spelled with an I, Gunny, like Gunnison, with an I. But go to Gunnymoto and listen to uh, this middle-aged guy rant about whatever comes, you know, <laughs> hits his mind. I mean, the other day I I went into a rut on the motorcycle and I'm trying to climb back out of this rut. And I went, oh, now there's a paradigm for life. <laughs> you know, we all get in a rut from time to time. And I don't know, Mason. I tell you this. I want everyone to know that life can be better, that there's hope, and that they can contribute to that. And it doesn't matter what it is. Life is one big grand adventure and embrace that adventure. Don't be afraid of the unknown. Go boldly forward. And I want to say thanks for letting me, you know, come back on the Adventure Sports Podcast and touch base. It's It does my heart so much good to see you out there still bringing it, you know, bringing it to the people. And, and man, thank you for doing that. Kurt, thank you for, for uh, building this awesome foundation. Uh, doing it in such a great way. I just try to do it to the quality that you and Travis did it. Uh, <laughs> sometimes it's not, but uh, it is going. It is It is continuing. And so it's been, a. I mean, just such an experience. You know, it's led to, gosh, my job, what I do for work now. And it's opened up so many cool doors and led to so many cool experiences. And yeah, I, I'm so thankful that y'all gave me this opportunity four years ago now. I'm going to tell a little secret on you, Mason, because you probably would never say it yourself. I'm a bit of a podcast specialist, and I've done all the run the numbers. The Adventure Sports Podcast is in the top 5% of all podcasts of all time. And most of that is you, dude. <laughs> you have been steering that ship. And I just want people to know that the Adventure Sports Podcast is rocking it. It, it, you're doing great. You don't have to worry about being <laughs> good quality, man. You've taken it to all new levels. So keep it up. Oh man. No, it's uh, it, it, part of that was being so early in this game. You know, we plant the seed was planted a lot longer ago. And so it's a lot easier to, to, to take over a tree that's grown than it is to grow it from seed. Uh, so y'all, y'all planted that seed. Y'all, y'all nurtured it and cared for it. And I just got to take over once it was well on its way to something. So Kurt, yeah, we got to check in at least at, le at least once every two years, maybe a little more often to <laughs> yeah, hear what man. you're doing. I'm excited to check out Gunny Moto. The, I mean, the, the thumbnails are beautiful. The imagery looks amazing. Uh, excited to hear your thoughts on it. And uh, who knows? Maybe that's a new format or something down the road. Because I, I will say one thing we do miss is visualizing. We don't visualize a lot of these adventures. We're trying to do that a little bit more on social media with uh, the help uh, from Emily Holland, who's a huge help to the show, getting the word out and reminding people and showcasing, hey, here's the you know here's the audio story, but here's what it looked like to be out there to go through this, and that is, I mean, personally, that's what gets me excited. So 
It's just that podcasts you can do it while you drive to the ski resort or while you, you know, absolutely uh, yeah. uh, bike through backcountry of Gunnison. You can listen while you live the adventure. So, Kurt, thank you so much. Do you want to do you want to close us out with uh, with your with your line? <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Adventure Sports Podcast. Now get out there and have some fun. First of all, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes, share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at com. And until then, get out there and have some fun. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.